What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Forensic Psychology is a podcast that provides an illuminating window into the workings of the criminal mind. Now, here's your host, Dr. Carlos. Welcome, everyone. Today, we're going to be looking at Gilbert Paul Jordan. He is known as the Boozing Barber. He was a Canadian serial killer and is believed to have committed the so-called alcohol murders in Vancouver, British Columbia. Let's quickly take a look at his background. He was a barber. Was a former, Jordan was a former barber. He was linked to the deaths of between 8 and 10 women between 1965 and 1988. So you can see he has a cooling off period again this is a serial killer it's different than a mass shooter or um, a spree killer they have cooling off periods when they're serial killers and it looked like he did i mean he might have murdered more during that 23 year span he was the first canadian known to use alcohol as a murder weapon jordan's lengthy criminal record started in 1952 mind you he was born in 1931 so he was about 21 years of age and included already some serious crimes rape indecent assault abduction hit and run drunk driving and car theft so you can see that he has already some characteristics of a antisocial personality disorder or you could argue a psychopath right there is a little bit of a distinction psychopathy has more severe repercussions but we'll continue on here in our discussion in regards to this Again, uh, he was born in 1931. He was an alcoholic and high school dropout by the age of 16. By age 21, he had already been convicted of theft, assault, and car theft, as we mentioned, possession of heroin. Gilbert Jordan had a lengthy criminal record starting in 1952. Gilbert learned the barber's trade and opened the Slocan Barber Shop in Vancouver's Down East side. He inherited a small sum of money and invested in the stock market and made a lot of money. Reportedly drinking 50 ounces of vodka per day. In addition to alcohol, Gilbert was also addicted to drunk sex. His targets were most often First Nations women from Vancouver's downtown east side. He would find them in bars and buy them drinks or pay them for sex and invite them to drink with him. In 1961, he was found with a five-year-old First Nations girl in his car and he was charged with abduction but never convicted. Later in that year, he held up traffic by threatening to jump off the Lionsgate Bridge while in a drunken stupor. So we don't know much about his parents, but I'm not too, I wouldn't be too far off, I would assume, if we knew that his parents had a drinking problem. And this translated over to him. Uh, we don't get much information in regards to his parents, whether he had both of them, one of them, uh, whether they're abusive or not. Again, he has a, it looks like he might have some traits of antisocial personality disorder, maybe psychopathy. We're going to be looking for that in a little bit. And see if we find anything on psychopathy. 
But let's continue on with our story of the boozing barber. Uh, in 1963, he lured two women into his car, raped them, and stole of them some of their possessions. In 1965, at age 24, Ivy Rose went drinking with Gilbert. Her nude body was later found in a Vancouver hotel with a blood alcohol level of 0 .0, 0 0.51. Remember, you had to be 0 .07 uh, to be drunk if it's bigger, more than that. That is six times. She was found with six times higher than the legal driving limit, and almost double what experts call the danger zone. The danger zone is about Point zero point two fives, right around there. Zero point two zero, depends on the individual and the size, where you can die of alcohol poisoning. But no charges were laid in Ivy's death. It was ruled accidental. In 1969, he was charged with drunk driving again, twice in the same day. In 1971, he was charged with committing an indecent act in a public place, but the charges were dropped. In 73, he was convicted of indecent exposure. In Prince George, British Columbia, he was convicted of indecent assault. So you can see already now he's got some sexual, what they call paraphilias, right? So he's got the sexual voyeurism going on, exhibitionism, I mean. Uh, obviously, he's got alcoholics, so he's got a substance use disorder, which is really common for psychopaths or antisocial personality disorder. So we're seeing here more to give us uh, more criteria to give us confirmation about this. There was an attempt by prosecutors in 74 to have Gilbert Jordan, a dangerous offender, uh, but with help from his lawyer request, was denied. In 1975, he abducted a woman from a mental institution. Gilbert again found himself in the courtroom. This time he faced charges including kidnapping uh, and sexual assault with a feeble-minded person. He was sentenced to 26 months. Those were the court words, not mine, by the way. In 1987, a woman was found in another Vancouver hotel. Vanessa Lee Buckner had died after a night of drinking with Gilbert. A month later, another woman died. Edna Shade was found dead in another hotel in Vancouver. And Gilbert's fingerprints were found at this scene as well. The RCMP, Canadian police, really started looking closely at Gilbert Paul Jordan. They set up surveillance and followed Gilbert's movements between October 12th and November 26th, so almost a little over a month. 1987, police watched him search out First Nations women in Vancouver's east side, and on four occasions, they had, four occasions they had to rescue women who had been in Gilbert's company. Rosemary Wilson in 1987 had a blood alcohol content of 0 0.52, Verna Chartron 0 0.43, and uh, Sheila Joe on November no, 25th, no blood alcohol content was recorded. But these are the four women that he that the police had to save. The Royal County, Royal Canadian Mounted Police, they had to save Verna, Sheila Joe, Mabel, and Rosemary. According to police, during the surveillance of Gilbert Jordan, he was heard telling the women things like, I have a drink down the hatch, baby, 20 bucks if you drink it right down, see if you're a woman. And he would entice them with money and continue making them drink. Police arrested Gilbert as he was poisoning a woman. When police entered the room, the woman was unconscious and Gilbert was on top of her, forcing vodka down her throat. At his trial, Gilbert is quoted as saying, They were all on their last legs. I didn't give a damn who I was with. I mean, we're all dying sooner or later. So you can see here the lack of empathy. Uh, definitely classic signs of psychopathy. He had paid them to drink with him, offering them money if they could chug a bottle or two. When they had passed out, he continued to pour liquor down their throats and raped them as they died. Um, so this is kind of a mixed bag here between organized and disorganized killer. Because disorganized, remember, they have a sexual relations post-mortem. And uh, this one, he was having it. They were kind of unconscious, more than likely. So it seems like he 
it was kind of the, between those two. And again, you don't usually always have a clear distinction between an organized and a disorganized killer. Uh, Vanessa Lee Buckner's father said of Gilbert, he poisons him first and has sex with him. No parent should have to go through this. He's a low life. I agree with that. Gilbert was found guilty of manslaughter and the death of Vanessa Lee Buckner. He was sentenced to 15 years in prison, but that was reduced to nine on appeal. He was then released on, in probation after six. I don't know how he wasn't charged earlier when three women were found dead in his barbershop within the span of three years. Gilbert did not report the women as dead until, be, until he talked with his lawyer. After six years in prison for murdering Buckner, Gilbert was released. But it wasn't long before he was in trouble again. Remember, recidivism raised really high for psycho psychopaths. In June 2000, he was charged with sexual assault again, assault of negligence causing bodily harm and possession of alcohol. Gilbert also tried to change his name to Paul Pierce. At the time, fingerprinting and a criminal's record check was not required in British Columbia to have your name changed. But the law changed while Gilbert was in the process, and he dropped the application. In 2002, once again, Gilbert was arrested, breach of probation for drinking and being in the presence of a woman. He was sentenced to 15 months in jail and three years probation. In 2004, he was found in violation of that probation again, in Saskatchewan, he was binge drinking in a hotel with a woman named Bart Berkeley. Hey, look, folks, he might have been doing it before, too. Nobody's just caught him. In 2006, at the age of 74, Gilbert Jordan died. He was the first person convicted in Canada to use alcohol as a murder weapon. It just wasn't seen at this point. And trust me, this they think this is the main reason why the murders weren't even viewed as murders for the longest time. It was complicated. It's almost like those angels of mercy where the nurses were killing patients. A little harder to prove. But there you go. Gilbert Paul Jordan, the boozing barber, using alcohol as a murder weapon. Again, probably a mixture of organized and disorganized killers. Um, he had a different motives operandi, right? A different M.O. His signature obviously was alcohol. Didn't seem to hide them because he thought they would be looked upon as having died from natural causes or accidental overdoses. I'm sorry, not not natural causes, but accidental overdoses. So, fascinating case, the boozing barber. Thanks, everyone. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.